Welcome to Play for Keeps, a presentation of Ashland New Plays Festival. This play is the property of the playwright who reserves all rights to its use. This recording is the property of Ashland New Plays Festival, Inc., which reserves all rights to its use. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. The Exceptionals by Bob Kleiman Characters Gwen, 30s, a mother, quick, brittle, anxious, and high-strung. Allie, 30s, a mother, feisty, irreverent, subversive. Tom, 30s, Allie's husband, gregarious, seemingly confident, but sensitive to slights. Claire, 40s, extremely bright, enigmatic, strategic. Setting the site of a donor insemination research program for exceptional children and their parents. The scene takes place in either the director of parent services office or the adjacent waiting room. Time, the foreseeable future. Act 1. A light comes up on Claire, downstage. She addresses an audience. So imagine someone just created an exceptional new kind of rose. They're only available at a special place, and you can only take home a few at a time. But when you plant them, they transform your garden completely. There couldn't possibly be a more beautiful garden, you think, but soon you're back to get a few more, and then a few more, and each time your garden is that much more beautiful. Everyone you know drops by to marvel. They ask if it's all right to take a few cuttings and... Of course you let them, because there can never be too much beauty in the world. Even the bees are smitten by these roses. They hover for hours, longing for a chance to pollinate them. Sunlight seems to linger just a bit longer on them at the end of the day. And there don't seem to be as many weeds now. It's as if they've receded to make way for this glorious profusion of fragrance, color, and beauty. I like to talk about roses, because even the word conjures up visions of a better, more exceptional world. What about the word exceptional? Is there really such a thing? Some people will tell you there isn't, that everything's a matter of taste, but I think those people aren't being honest. We all know exceptional when we see it. And once we have, we can never really be happy with anything less. As lights go down on Claire, a concentrated light comes up on Gwen, mid-thirties and conservatively dressed. She is sitting tensely and appears to be waiting. After several beats, more general lighting reveals she is in a waiting room. Allie, mid-thirties and more casually attired, has just entered and is standing near the door, purse slung over her shoulder and holding a Dunkin' Donuts styrofoam cup. Hi. You waiting to see Margot? Yes. Me too. That new assistant, what's-her-name, said for me and my husband to be here at ten. You must have heard her wrong. My appointment's for ten. You just checking out places, or have you used them before? We picked the donor for our son here, Ethan. Great name. How old is he? Five. Really? Same with Michael. He or only so far? Yes. Tom and I are thinking about a second, but there are some issues. Is your husband coming? Ex-husband. Oh, I'm... It's fine. Trust me. Allie takes a crumpled piece of paper from her purse, which she smooths out before handing it to Gwen. 
Which one of these do you like best in case it's a girl? Isn't that something you and How your about husband Sarah? Sure. Tom refuses to talk about names. He's afraid of getting too attached in case something happens. He started freaking out with Michael the moment we put a deposit down on the sperm. I said to him, Tom, you can't be attached already. The donors barely had time to zip up his pants. Huh. He thinks I can't understand because I didn't have a brother that was only two when he drowned. I can't even imagine what that would be like. It wasn't like anything. Tom wasn't even born yet. How can a fully grown man still be grieving over something he never went through in the first place? Doesn't make any sense. Obviously, you know the circumstances Although, are great. Although, I don't know. There's actually something very Tom about it. He should be here any second. He just had a really important job interview. She knocks on wood. Gwen takes a professional journal from her purse and begins to read. Looks technical. Is that work? Hmm. Are you a scientist? Yes. What's it about? Like you were saying, it's technical. Are you in platinum? Why? You are, aren't you? Margot said only that the top 2% of the moms here get picked for if platinum. If I were in platinum, I don't think Margot would want me to discuss it. The mothers in platinum are part of an important study. I don't mind telling you which group I'm in. Do you know anything about research? In a well-designed study, no one in the study is supposed to discuss it. Just saying you're in the study could skew the results. Boy, some of those tests were hard. Do you understand what How I just said? How the fuck do I know what shallow brooks are noisy means? I don't know how to be in Although, clear. I think I aced that one with all the ink blots that look like penises. Would you please I'm stop? teasing you. Why? I know we just met, but you remind me of Mount Vesuvius a couple of seconds before it blew. Molly, trying to help. By teasing me. That's what I do with Tom whenever he gets tense. Has it ever worked? I just think when you're in a waiting room and somebody asks you nicely... Hold that thought. Allie takes out her phone and reads a text. Your husband? Yeah. You want me to read it to you? I don't think he'd appreciate it. Traffic on the thruway. Like, name me a time since the Middle Ages there wasn't. I should probably get back to No my... problem. I have a book. I never go anywhere without a book. Allie removes a paperback with a bright pink cover from her purse. Gwen stares at it in disbelief. I just finished Rogue by Danielle Steele. The plot was okay, but the sex stuff was nowhere near as, you know, the one I mean, by Cassie Edwards. Uh-huh. Isn't she terrific? I've never even heard of Cassie whatever you said. I'll her bet name you read much. a lot to Ethan. I try to. Michael's subject is math. Really? He probably gets that from me. Uh-huh. It takes me two seconds max to work out the tip in a restaurant. Huh. So what do you leave? 15, 18 as a tip? It depends. I don't 20 know. if the service was really great? I guess. Make up some amount your dinner just cost. I'll tell you for 15, 18, figure the taxes. What is your point? Since you're asking, I really don't like being patronized. How was I patronizing you? It's technical. I bet you'd be pretty upset if I were in platinum too. Why would I care what I group mean, you're in? I mean, if I'm in the top two percent, the standards. I must don't not... believe in judging people. Well, I am. You are not. <laughs> Why isn't that assistant at her desk? This could never have happened when Olive was here. If you and I had shown up at the same time, Olive would have asked one of us to wait in the atrium. Nope. Olive ran a tight ship. She would never have created this kind of chaos and then abandoned her post. Have you ever run into another mom in the waiting room like this? No. In the parking lot? You're the first mom I've seen since I joined the program. I don't think it's a mistake. 
Did you get a certified letter saying to be here at 10 and plan on staying all day? Don't worry, Margot's going to walk in here and get this whole thing straightened out. I mean, they can't just kick us out. This is a longitudinal study. They have five years of data on Ethan. As long as our daily logs are in by the end of the month... I'm sorry if I sounded like I was patronizing you. We're good. Must be cool being a scientist. I could never sit still that long. What have you got, a PhD? Yes. Well, except for my orals. What happened? You know, life. Gotcha. Not that I've ever let it stop me. There's a lot you can do with a master's degree in molecular biology. Like teach. What do you teach? Earth science? Truthfully, I have no idea how I made it into the study. Well, picture the way a bell curve slopes down approaching a line in both directions. For every person all the way on the right, there's got to be another person all the way. I mean in general, not you. You mean the asymptote? The line those slopey things approach at either end? Some people say asymptote, but I never pronounce the P. I always pronounce the P. It's a free country. Margot's always ragging at me to go back to school because according to the scan they did, my genes have a ton of potential, even though I hide it pretty good. You should definitely take her up. The program will pay your tuition. Half the classes are after Tom gets home and I'm busy making dinner. <laughs> That's just an excuse. Margot's right. Someone in Platinum who can't be bothered to finish college. There's a word for that. Incongruous? No. Waste. You ever have shit like that come out of your mouth? You got no idea where it came from? I had a student once. Your exact situation. And I told her the best- Shit! Did I remember to knock on wood right after I mentioned his job interview? I think so. Thank God. You're Catholic, right? What makes you think that? Call it a hunch. I'm basically an atheist, but I believe there's a force in the universe that unless you remember to knock on wood, you're totally fucked. Truthfully, I only joined this study because of all the things they could cover we could have never afforded for Michael. Just the medical benefits. But then getting to send Michael to Hillcrest, this school that costs maybe 20, 30 grand, and that's just tuition. I mean, the amount it costs to buy your kid a frigging soccer uniform these days. And now, with Tom out of work, they can't kick Michael out just because I flipped Margot a little attitude. She was saying how the platinum donors here have to agree to get a vasectomy after 24 kids. There's a perfectly sound mathematical reason. I told her it sounded like something a psychotic child dictator would make people do. Anything higher than 24 creates an unacceptable risk that two children from the same donor might accidentally meet. And? Well, if one was a boy and the other a girl, they would be brother and sister. Right? Still with you. So... Let's say they happen to meet at a party. They've each had a little too much to drink. Do I really need to explain this to you? So they have sex. It took a lot more than one brother and sister to create Mississippi. Even if they're perfectly normal, the odds of a defective baby, because each of them has a copy of the same rare... And the screening here, compared to other programs... Why are you making me prove it's better not to have incest? Even men who clearly tested platinum were weeded out if the scan found another defective gene. I think it's the weeding out part that makes me uneasy. 98% of the mothers here can't get into platinum, so their child won't be like Ethan or Michael. How is that any different? That's the problem. It isn't. 
tell me you don't have any qualms about this whole uber sperm platinum thing. Did somebody put a gun to your head and make you join the program? This is the first serious attempt to study exceptional donor-inseminated children. And personally, I feel grateful that Ethan and I have the privilege of playing a part. <laughs> Just something Janice texted me. <laughs> I was just wondering, since we both have appointments at 10, would you mind letting me go first? Kind of. I'm just a little nervous, that's all. They're not going to kick Ethan out of the program. If anyone should be nervous, I'm... Your husband isn't even here yet. So? I'll start without him. It's always better to start together when you're a couple. They have research on that? Who knows when he'll even get here. He'll probably less than... Fine! If you really need me to say it, please. Okay. Thank you. Now, was that so hard? Claire enters from the office. Hi. My name is Dr. Lindstrom. Please call me Claire. I'll be meeting with you today. What happened to Margot? She won't be in. Is everything all right? Of course. I was expecting a Tom. He's stuck in traffic. Shall we? You want to see us together? Uh, did you want to leave that? Claire has pointed to an empty styrofoam coffee cup that Allie failed to throw out. Unable to find a wastebasket, Allie takes it with her as they enter the office. How's Ethan feeling? I understand he's out today. A little cold. My sister's watching him. His school called you about a cold? Claire has begun to flip pages in one of the two large files on her desk. Is that all, Ethan? Uh, I guess it beats paying a 14-year-old to talk on the phone. What does? Having your sister watch him. Things a little better between you. Why? What does it... I don't remember telling Margot. We're just very different, that's all. Takes more after your mom. Considering how close you were with your dad. Uh, you don't mind Allie, do you? At least it was quick. Aneurysm, right? Yes. No surprise he collected model trains. Your father. Since Ethan does. Oh, I... Yes. Anything you need to say, Allie, or can we start? I'm good. A few months ago, the team completed its first major analysis of the data. Really? Uh, nothing we didn't expect, but... You've done enough research yourself, Gwen. I'm sure you remember how excited... When your data didn't merely confirm, they exceeded. I certainly do. Remember, these are only trends, not definitive. No, I understand. As with any longitude... That's exactly what I was telling her. Please. Five years ago, the team began to develop a new model, based on the research for unlocking the full potential of a child's mind. With each new discovery, the team refined the model a little more until it became so precise we were able to create an actual school. I've spent these past five years preparing for the day we'd be ready to start taking students, and now we are. A lot of people will be paying close attention and judging us, so we've had to be particularly selective in choosing our first group of children, and with so many outstanding children to choose from, and since we'll only be taking 12, unfortunately... We were only able to include the most exceptional in our current group of finalists, which fortunately includes Ethan and Michael. So whatever happens next, they each deserve a round of applause for getting this far. 
I'm speechless. Before we can make our final decision. Th- is that why I'm here? Why you're both here? I'm not in trouble. No. Should you be?、Uh, no. I'm fine with the school Michael's in now. Oh, it's an excellent school, but even what's that name they have for the track he's in? Triple G. They have three tracks at Michael's school. If a child tests smarter than a loaf of zucchini bread, he's automatically in the gifted track. Then there's the gifted, gifted track. If he's average, the kids in Triple G are smart, but still a couple of G's short of Michael. It's the exact same thing with Ethan at Bryce, where I went to school. They only had two tracks: normal and retarded. Worked for me. Look, I know the work isn't always as challenging, but Miss Edie tries. There's a whole shelf of books just for Michael, and he's finally starting to make friends. Friends like that are fine, but. He needs peers, and they aren't peers. I know.、Uh, same with Ethan. Nice school, but no peers. These pages are only an overview. Doctor Vorsif will explain everything after lunch. Doctor Vorsif wants to meet with us. I'd be misleading you if I didn't say a number of slots are already filled. Oh, well, as long as Ethan. How many? A few of those children. You might as well throw out your computer and replace it with them. But we need the right blend. It's like an orchestra. Even if the best musicians in town all played cello, you wouldn't want to hear Beethoven's Ninth played only. I know by- what a blend is. So, if Ethan isn't a cello, what is he? A flute. Why a flute? Why is Michael another flute? Why is Emma Harris a clarinet? Any news on Tom? I'm not even getting a signal. Well, I need some time alone with Gwen anyway. Would you mind waiting out there? Claire stares at Allie's coffee cup until Allie is almost out the door. And taking that cup with you. Thank you. Allie hesitates before getting it, then exits. So when you're choosing, I assume you also take their mothers into account. I'm not sure.、I've... Children take their lead from us. The sort of books we read is your point. I'm just saying, if one parent reads novels by Cassie Steele, who? Cassie Steele. I think you may be mixing up Cassie Edwards and Danielle. All I know is the cover was so pink it nearly blinded me. Try not to think of this as a competition. I mean, in a way, it is. Well, in a way, that's exactly what it is. But it's Pete, right? Your ex-husband. You call him Pete, right? I was going over the sign-in sheets from school, and it looks like you dropped Ethan off two Mondays in a row. Pete had to miss a weekend. Something with his girlfriend's family in Seattle.、And、doesn't he get to swap? If he asks, you're not saying I should force Ethan on him. No, but if Pete pulls away, how will you ever find time for yourself? That weekend, the train museum had a special exhibit. Ethan loves all those Pullman cars from the twenties. The brass railings and walnut panels. If you could have seen his eyes, how could any mother need more than that? I see. Still not dating. I really don't see what this、On、has to do with. On the last questionnaire, with... you thought you were ready, and that was six months ago. I can't just snap my fingers. I'm not twenty-five. No, and at your age, you can't afford to waste six months. You're still an attractive woman. Have you tried the internet? 
I'm not looking that kind of thing. Well, I don't know what stories you've heard, but there are plenty of discreet services these days for busy professional women who want a dignified alternative to being fondled in a club. I'm wasting my breath, aren't I? About that. While we're pausing, when you asked about Margot and I didn't really answer, you may have guessed I didn't want to discuss it in front of Allie, but the truth is we had to let her go. Let her go. I don't think it was easy, but she ran parent services. She supervised Olive. So when we discovered the damage Olive almost caused by ignoring procedures, what choice did we have but to let both of them go? Might surprise you, but in all my years, I've never known a single platinum donor by his actual name. Yours, for instance, has always been C2 to me as he is to you. Conversely, if C2 ever needed to ask about Ethan, he'd have said, How is C2-17? Because the right to privacy for both, which is why we have the procedures, right? I'm not really sure which procedures... In return for their donations, if you will... We have allowed these exceptional men the unique opportunity to remain informed about their offspring by sending them monthly reports. No personal details, of course, and Olive's job was to scrub each report for anything that could possibly identify a child. Then ask the parent to read it over carefully, just to be sure. Once the parent returned it to her, all Olive had to do was proof it one last time herself before mailing it. But Olive, dear, dear Olive only saw the good in people and trusted them. Which is how one of the mothers could take a flash memory card, those things some people use to record their own voice instead of writing a letter, and slip it between two pages. They're about yay big. Claire removes a flash memory card from between two pages in Ethan's file. So when C2 opened the last report on Ethan... He would have found this recording from you. Claire opens the door. Still no Tom. Uh, Gwen's going to get herself some soup and come back in an hour. As Gwen starts to speak. No, Gwen, not until you've had soup. If you go less than a mile on Durant, there's a cute little place called Gris for the Mill that tomato basil is the best. Gwen seems frozen, but then suddenly exits with a brisk, purposeful stride. So, did you have a chance to look at... Before we get to the school, can I bring something up? Tom and I think it's time for another child. Allie, that's wonderful. Michael's been begging us for over a year. The team will be thrilled. Tom and I would love... Knocking on wood. A little girl. My sister Beth took a ton of potassium, or Georgina might have been George. The new donor catalog just came in. Do you and Tom want to look today? Right now his job situation? Understood. Knocking on wood again. Which may be about to change, but until he actually has If you're worried about the money, we're completely behind. I just don't want to cause any problems here for Michael. Please don't take this. Tom adores Michael. He just feels maybe this time we should... Pick a donor from one of your other groups? Someone who's more, you know, average? Average. Truthfully, if it was up to Tom, we'd adopt. Even though you're still perfectly capable. And I want that, but doesn't it seem kind of selfish when he can't? And I agree that adopting every time I hear some kid got left in a dumpster, but I still want my own. When my mom died, all my friends were there for me, but my sisters got me through. 
Even now, just knowing I can call Janet or Beth, I feel safer. So if anything ever happened to me and Tom... You'd want Michael and his sister to have what you... No, no, I understand. Janet's dumber than a box of hair, but she's still my sister. So even if our new donor guy is more like It Janet, isn't that simple. The world has changed since you had Michael. Mothers are a lot more particular. Five years ago, you could have found half a dozen Toms in our silver catalog. But nowadays... And it isn't just here. Nobody's taking average. There's no demand. You have it in there, Tom's dyslexic. It didn't get picked up till high school, so he grew up assuming he was retarded. When the lady who did the testing told him he's dyslexic, Tom broke down and cried. He said it wasn't fair having whatever she just called him on top of being retarded. <laughs> Cut to 12 years later. Tom just found out he's sterile, so we wind up here, and Tom picks up that brochure on how great you are at keeping anyone with a genetic defect who wants to donate from slipping through. He flips the page to see who you're calling defective, and right near the top is dyslexia. I know, the idea when we started here was if we ever decide to have more kids, as long as Michael is still in the program. Do you understand what I'm asking I think you're asking, will Michael be terminated from the program if you refuse a platinum donor this time? Will he? I know we're supposed to be talking about the new school, but if you're just going to toss Michael out... I'm still not clear. I, I can see why Tom wants a donor who's average like him, but is that what Not you... like him. Like us. I know I test like a major geek, but those scores aren't me. Well, granted, you're a little rough around the edges, but forget the scores. Your genetic scan was one of the most exceptional out if of... If I have all this potential laying dormant, shouldn't some of it be awake by now? Lying dormant. There, you see? What I see is someone who knows lying dormant is right, but chooses to say it wrong. Personally, I think Tom deserves a world of credit. Some husbands, just the idea of a donor... So, if it means that much to him... I understand, but what about you as Michael's mother? Don't you think a little sister who's more like Michael That's would... what I said to Tom, but he feels very strongly. I know what Tom feels. It's all I keep hearing. What I don't understand... I realize you only joined this study for practical reasons. You're different from the other moms. They... All take their children to foreign films and tell them fruit is a dessert. You have a rebel streak, and personally I find that appealing, but you and I aren't booking a cruise. And if you're telling me you'd be willing to deprive your second child of the same advantage as Michael, just so she can match up better with Tom... You have no idea what it's like for Tom. He has so much love to give, but when he's with Michael, he feels smaller. So if he's just going to wind up feeling he doesn't measure up again... Michael does that to people. Did his teacher tell you the problem he's having in groups? That's not I'm his... not saying that it's... Miss his... Edie loves breaking the class into small groups and letting them compete to see which group can figure some problem out first. And I could get that could be fun. Except the kids in Michael's group just sit with their thumbs up their butts while Michael solves it. And the kids in every other group know they're going to lose, so they give up and start screwing around, which really pisses Miss Edie off. 
She's always saying, I can't blame Michael for being so smart, but I know she does. It won't take him long to figure out if he just pretends to get a few answers wrong. He already has. Well, I wonder who he gets that from. Do you really want to make him go through the same thing you did in school? What am I supposed to do with that? You think it doesn't kill me to see him pretend he's interested like I did when he's bored out of his frigging mind? If anyone should know how to help him. But I don't have a fucking clue. No one's invited him over to play in months. And this is with the program. What's going to happen to him if you kick him out? I, I'm not saying we will. It's not like there's a policy. We, we haven't needed one. You're the first parents to ask us for a second baby who isn't as smart as the first. What I do know is by the time we decide, every slot for the school will be full. So I guess I'm saying, and believe me, I really don't mean this as a threat, although I suppose you could take it as one, Michael could end up with nothing. Tom enters. Sorry, you wouldn't believe the traffic. Oh, you must be Tom. I'm Dr. Lindstrom. Claire. Uh, what happened? Uh, did Margot get canned? Well, unfortunately, I'm not at liberty. Hey, to... nothing's forever, especially now that the whole world going global. Tom drops a bag with some donuts on her desk and begins putting them onto paper plates. Does Bavarian cream work for you? Margot loves. You stopped for donuts? Before my interview. Is that okay? Since we're starting a little late, I... I know you'd think they could shut down one lane on the throughway instead of two, since no one's ever working on either. Maybe you can tell me, Doctor, has anyone ever found a gene for religion? Right before my interview, I was flipping through a magazine, and it turns out a light goes on in somebody's brain when he's feeling connected to God, which I've never personally... So, if it only happens to some people, what if there's a gene... There isn't. Sorry, way too much coffee. But it's an interesting thought. It's yours. I've got a dozen more just like it. Some guy told me he tries to come up with one new idea whenever he's stuck in traffic. He learned that in anger management. What? The interview? How much do you know about calibration devices? <laughs> Let's say you bought a piece of electrical equipment two years ago and lately... This will just take a minute, honey. The readings seem a little off. A good calibration device tells you by how much, so you can adjust. But what if your calibration device is off too? I've seen low-end devices that were even less accurate than the equipment they were trying to calibrate. Interesting. Yeah, well, you tried doing it for 15 years, so it was either keep doing it for another 15 and hope I can save enough to retire early like Joe, His old is, boss. or be proactive and... Do something now. So leaving was your decision. Well, not exactly. <laughs> I was let go. But Joe's a pretty astute reader of men. And he said my nonverbals were coming through loud and clear. Of course, it doesn't take long to start missing the paycheck. So when this headhunter called about Murphy and Finn, better product line, big hike in pay, of course, I've done my homework. I know exactly what this guy needs. So I start right in and he's loving it. I'm only penciled in for 30 minutes, but it's been 50, and I'm still on a roll when halfway through a sentence I stop because it's suddenly clear. So I tell him, look, Murph, that's what he asked me to call him, Murph, I could do this job in my sleep and still make you money, but hearing myself aloud, 
I know that coming on board at this juncture would be a colossal mistake. If I don't take stock of my life and figure out what I really want, I probably never will. So Murph leans back and starts telling me how after his wife divorced him, he drank a fifth of scotch a day, ignored his personal hygiene, and started keeping a loaded gun in his desk. Until his sponsor made him take a personal in inventory. Which, looking back, was the single most important thing he ever did. And truthfully, I'm not terribly sanguine about where the calibration industry is heading in this country. Don't be surprised if you wake up one morning and the entire concept has been shipped overseas. But if you want to think big picture, for every guy who's standing there with a pink slip saying life isn't fair, that's maybe four guys in Mexico who finally have a job. You know what I mean? I think so. I'm just not clear. While you're taking stock, how you plan to pay your bills... Allie hasn't worked since Michael, and now with a second child. True, we've been able to help with medical insurance and Aren't those covered by your grant? Yes. Then why did you say that we're asking for a handout? Well, that's not what I'd say. We're perfectly capable of paying for our own medical insurance. How? What do you... The same way any family. We just would. Nobody's destitute here, Dr. Lindstrom. My cousin installs commercial carpeting. He throws me a little work. I'm helping another guy build a deck. Did you tell her what we want to do different this time? Claire said it isn't that simple. All the donors are... Tell him. It's just the market, Tom. Then we'll go somewhere else, like we agreed. She said it's the same everywhere. So what are you... I don't know! Maybe if you'd been here on time, I wouldn't... What was I supposed to do? Stand up and walk out in the no, middle? No, just have your great epiphany at the beginning instead of waiting My 50 what? minutes. Your great I revelation. know what a fucking epiphany is. I just don't know whose benefit you're using a word like epiphany for. Believe me, she'll be a lot less chichi during the makeup sex tonight. Do you think Claire finds that funny? I just met the woman. I haven't a fucking clue what she finds. I'm still curious how we'll get lettuce once all the farmers in Mexico start retooling for all the jobs and calibration that are going on. You to know, these issues always... We had an agreement. Michael's amazing. But I thought we agreed one amazing kid is hard enough. Maybe we need to try harder. Did I miss... When someone decided we're not good enough anymore? My dad. You gave him a hammer, a few nails, and some scrap wood. He could build you a house. You had a question about American history? Just ask my dad. And wherever he picked up that stuff, it wasn't reading because it turns out he was dyslexic like me. And what I think you're saying. If my mom came to you and said she wanted a kid like my dad... You would have told her, sorry, we don't make that kind of kid anymore. I know we agreed at home, and maybe it's the best decision for us. I just don't know if Michael... Do you think he's going to care the baby isn't a genius? He'll be the older brother. He's the, he's the one that's supposed to be smart. What about when she gets a C and her teacher says... Stop saying you tried. No sister of Michael. Her teacher can't say that if she's adopted. Some kid who actually needs... Why are you bringing up... 
Why are you bringing up adoption after all the frigging hours it took us to finally oh, agree? Oh, so now if we agreed on something at home, it suddenly matters again. Gwen bursts in. I thought I said an hour. I know, and I was halfway to that place with the soup when I suddenly realized. And it couldn't wait until after lunch. We're pretty much done in here anyway. What do you mean? What else is there to talk about? First, you tell us there are only a couple of slots, so of course I'm trying especially hard to make a good impression. But then you blindside me by bringing up that other thing, and you won't let me explain. So I'm driving, my mind's going over and over, and she's in here, probably getting treated with kid gloves, and I don't think that's fair. Actually, Gwen, I don't see how I could have been any fairer. I thought bringing it up before lunch, you'd have time to regain your composure and decide what you'd like to say instead of just reacting, well, like this. Right. Sorry for the interruption. Why don't we make it an hour and ten minutes so you get all of your time? Gwen exits. Try something with me. Imagine, just an exercise. The two of you never got married, never even met. Allie, why don't you go first? One day you're at a party and a celebrity comes over to you. Naturally, you're nervous, but when you look at your watch, you've been talking for hours. Everyone else is gone, even the host is gone. You open the door to leave, but instead of the street, the two of you are in a bedroom with a single lit candle and you start to make passionate love. Which celebrity did you imagine? What? Obviously, you are married, and Allie would never. What I'm trying to get at... Do you have some uncle that got you this job? He turns to Allie. Don't look at me. What did, I, what did you tell her about our sex life? Nothing. If you don't like something, you should be telling me... You're both making this much too complicated. Allie, can you tell me who it was? Aware that Tom is staring at her. What if it wasn't someone specific? Then pretend it was someone specific and tell me him. All right. Put down George Clooney. I can't believe you just said that. Why? You never said Angelina Jolie was hot? Not like that. I, I never asked you to name the sexiest person you could... Right, and I said you. But she said, no, it has to be a movie star. Meanwhile, I'm trying to drive. There's a fucking blizzard and she's got this feral... It was not feral. So I finally said, Angelina Jolie... Are you satisfied? Just to make you stop. And I said, George Clooney, just to make her stop. Except when I said it, we were driving home from a movie Angelina Jolie was in. I can't help if she was the last face I saw. Actually, the last face you saw was Brad Pitt. How come you didn't pick... Can I change to Brad Pitt? <laughs> so when I joke about makeup sex, it isn't funny, but it's okay for you. Can anyone guess the point of my exercise? Every woman needs a man to father her child, but how does she know which man? The one who writes beautiful sonnets to her on her birthday, but has blotchy skin? The one who pulled her out of a half-frozen lake once and made soup to keep her warm, but showed pictures of her naked to his friends? Whoever she chooses, he will be flawed, which is how it should be. She may even truly love this man, and I say thank God for that. It won't do her any good to mope around waiting for George Clooney to send her flowers. And yet almost every woman who tries this pictures him. But, and here's my point, she doesn't want George Clooney. 
She may think she does, but what she really wants is his genes. Why are you looking like that? Like what? Like anything she just said makes any sense. Do you have a husband, Dr. Lindstrom? Kids? Because I don't see any pictures. Try to stay with me, Tom. Allie loves you. She has since the two of you were in high school, and she wanted to have your children. But no one's fault. It wasn't to be. So now her instinct, if it has to be a stranger, is to go after the choicest, most exceptional platinum genes. So your daughter She agreed. To what, Tom? Let me guess, it was a long week. The two of you were relaxing over wine, and something you said made her laugh. She wanted to please you. Then another glass of wine. You said adoption. Average. She said, when you put it that way, maybe I've been too this or too that. But the thing is, Tom, that isn't what she needs. And you're more qualified than I am to know what she needs. Apparently. You keep wanting to make it personal. Do you feel betrayed every time she ovulates? Well, the need I'm describing has about as much to do with you That's as... That's it. I'm not going to sit here. She's right. I'm sorry. I never cared what kind of child, as long as he had all his fingers and toes, remember? But once I found out we could choose and his life would be better, things would come easier. I couldn't say, no, I want him to struggle like us. And neither could you. I know. And it's not like the first time we held Michael, I was thinking about his genes. He was special. Because he was ours. Just getting to take him home and love him was... I understand all... Let me say this. He didn't have to do anything special for me to love him. But then he started to, and I'm sorry. I never thought I could love him even more because of that, but I did. I do. Sometimes I'll just sit there watching him play, and I feel... Like I've been invited into this special room where nobody else can go. Tom, if Michael could choose the kind of sister he... Michael's five. The only thing he could be choosing is the kind of ice cream. I'm just asking if he could choose I don't care. All I keep hearing is what you want, what Michael... How come nobody's asking me what I want? Why is everyone acting like there's something wrong with wanting a kid who's a little like me? A couple of months ago, I was asking Michael why he never plays with some toy I bought him. First thing he does is take me to this website about a group that's trying to have the toy recalled because of some tiny magnet a two-year-old choked on and died. Then he showed me how to recognize all the lead from how the light hits the paint. And I'm thinking, Jesus, it's a fucking toy But he's right, and it's not like he was all prissy. The hardest part was how patient. Another time he asked me for help with his homework, I couldn't believe he was already learning to multiply fractions. I said, lucky for you, your old man still has a few things in his toolkit. Showed him a nifty little shortcut. It felt great. Then I found out the homework was from months ago. He was actually learning quadratic equations. He just asked me to be nice. Tom, he's the same with me. I'm his father. It's not the same. 
I worshipped my dad and now I'm the dad and I love Michael. I really do. But I hate this feeling. Like he got gypped ending up with me. Tom, I know this isn't easy. There's a lot to figure out. The kind of family you want. Whether to turn down that job you interviewed. I already did. And I heard that. But to turn down a job with benefits when you have a wife, a child, a second child, no leads, no irons in the fire, nothing one might be tempted to call an actual plan. You think I'm nothing, don't you? No, Tom. The only reason I can say these things is I have more faith in you than you do. Tom stares at her, then exits. Allie starts to go after him. Let him go. Wait half an hour, then call him. This isn't a game. No, and he's not a baby. Stop trying to protect him. I know you're upset, but Dr. Voicef needs to meet with you today. When you speak to Tom, ask him to be here by one. There's no point even mentioning the school after what... Just get him here. Dr. Voicef will handle the rest. He has a wonderful way with the fathers, and once he explains... I don't care how wonderful. Tom's not going to agree just because... Technically speaking, I'm not sure he has to. Your signature should be enough. If you're suggesting... Tom's my husband. I would never do... Oh, for Christ's sake, he's an adult. Michael's an exceptional child, but he's still a child and he needs a mother, so start acting like one. Instead of obsessing about Tom, why don't you think about the word mother and decide what it means to you? End of Act 1 Act 2 Claire's Office She now has a shoebox on her desk. Allie faces her. I told Gwen I'd meet with her right- What is it with Gwen? When I bumped into her at that soup place, she said she was deciding whether to jump off a bridge. Then she said, not literally, and started begging me to promise not to tell you. But before I could say fine, she said, oh, do whatever you want. That's what you always do anyway. So you know what I think? Fuck her. That thing you were saying- How I don't need Tom's signature? He and I were watching this show about some lesbian couple with a kid where the mom who gave birth got custody and the one who mostly took care of the kid didn't even get visits. I could tell from Tom's expression he was already comparing our situation. So I said, maybe the judge has a prejudice against lesbians, which didn't make any sense since they were both lesbians. But then Tom said, you think she's got it bad? When it comes to family court, you've got worse odds being a man than a lesbian. Referring to a guy he knows who came home to find his 12-year-old son watching porn on TV with his wife passed out drunk on the couch right next to him. So he grabbed a camera, took pictures to show the judge, and his wife still got the kid. So maybe Tom's right. If someone can lose his kid because he's only the father, what about guys like Tom who didn't even kick in the sperm? That's what you meant, isn't it? Only if the two of you still can't agree after you've tried to work it out. Did you mean just the school? Or I could decide on the donor, too? I suppose I meant both. Michael wet himself. It was last week, right after his teacher told me the problem with groups. I don't think he heard us talking, but while I was tucking him into bed that night... His lips started trembling, and he asked me why Miss Edie doesn't like him anymore. This was over a week ago, and I still haven't told Tom. I just 
handled it on my own, which is exactly what you're suggesting. And I know it's the same as lying, but I can already guess what he'll say. This is our fault. We should have sent him to public school. If those people think we're going to let them screw up our second kid, too. And while he's going through the litany inside my head, I'll be screaming, Jesus, Tom, I'm his mother. He's what I do all day. How about instead of the drama, you go for a smoke and leave these fucking things to me? Gwen enters. Perfect. I'm just cashing in my chit for when I let you go first. Your husband wasn't here. He could have gotten here before Claire was ready to... He could have missed his exit and wound up in China. What's your point? My point is I agreed to let you go first before I knew he'd be late. Yes, so... but that was only after you gave me an incredibly hard time even though I asked you nicely. So don't act like you deserve full credit. You seriously need to get laid. Gwen turns to Claire in disbelief as Ali exits. So what's this about wanting to jump off a bridge? I'll be right back. Catching up with Allie. Why did you tell her I wanted to jump off a bridge? That's what you said. Yeah, I know why you're doing this. Tell me. Spite. You don't even want Michael to go. All those snide remarks about the program. You resent me because I have something I really believe in. You think I decide Michael's future based on how I'm less than nuts about you? Well, no. I guess I don't really... Can you see how unfair... I'm completely committed to the program, and if Ethan could get in... Are you asking me to keep Michael where he is just so Ethan can go? No. And even if I... All right. Let's say I am. It's not like education matters to you. The only reason you're even here is the free medical insurance. If Michael gets in, you'll still be making snide remarks, and Ethan's life will be ruined all because of you. How can you be so selfish? Allie exits, and Gwen returns to Claire's office. All right. A, I never tried to call him. B... Sit down, please. Was this morning all just to punish me? Let's get Gwen excited. You I'm made contact her. with a donor. You jeopardized five years worth of... Sit! Gwen does. Apparently this isn't the first time you've been dishonest with us. What do you mean? If I hadn't called your old committee chairman, I'd have never have known about your orals. My... I didn't pass them. I've never tried to hide that. What about how you couldn't breathe and ran out of the room? Since when does every little personal little detail have to... campus security became involved. You told your roommate you wanted to jump off a bridge. I didn't mean it. Obviously, although you really need to stop saying it to people. Ethan never did anything wrong. Please don't punish him because of me. How long have you been sending C2 recordings? Less than a year. Does that mean the same thing as almost a year? Thank you. Maybe you can explain. Claire takes out two copies of a bound, professional-looking document, then hands one to Gwen. What's this? An exact transcript of that recording we found. Here's where you ask C2's advice about buying Ethan a dog. Second page, third paragraph, if you want to follow along. Is this really Then top necessary? of page four, when Ethan gets a shot, should you warn him on the car ride over or let the doctor explain What's your point? This transcript is eight pages long. I wasn't trying to be concise. Right now, I can afford to be flip. You can't. I knew he couldn't answer. Just having him listen was enough. Okay. Here's where I start to lose you. When I finally saw the Platinum Catalog, I was surprised by how much the donors sounded alike. But when I turned to your page, I knew right away. Knew what? 
He'd be the perfect donor? I guess. Probably a lot of things. Probably. Like what? The perfect father? Here's the part that really... When you think about all the children who believe they were born into the wrong family by accident, isn't it possible that some of them are right? All I meant by Take that... me and Pete. He got some girl pregnant in college, and I conceived here the first time I tried, so how come I couldn't get pregnant with Pete? If I could just... There are a million possible reasons, so why couldn't one of them be that Ethan was never meant to be with him? I can see how that must have no, sounded... No, I realize a lot of people, you hear them at parties going on about some couple that were clearly meant to be together because one of them worked in a shoe store and the other needed shoes, but... You're a scientist. The wrong family. Meant to be with. Read this part for me. Why? From whenever someone asked Pete. Whenever someone asked Pete if he felt threatened, using a genius as the donor, he'd say, Why? That guy's only the donor. I'm the father, and that will never change. Why did you stop? I didn't know you wanted me to keep... Pete says he's the father. That will never change. And then you say... But it did for me. No matter how deeply I looked into Ethan's eyes... Mm. I could never find Pete. Only you. All right. When you put all those things together, Only I can... Only you. He's Ethan's sperm donor, an IQ in a catalog. Why do you have to make it sound That's so... That's right. You knew. You and 23 other women who picked him for Alexander, Ricardo, Shaniqua. And if we hadn't shut down his line at 24, I'm sure that would have... Ethan saw him. His team was playing soccer when he saw a man sitting in the stands. The man was watching him and smiling like he already knew Ethan. When Ethan looked up again later, he was gone. Did you notice anyone sitting there? No, but I was all the way on Do the Do you believe he saw C2? Ethan wouldn't lie. No, but he's a little boy, and if he was expecting to see a man, isn't it? Why would he be expecting He never to told you for his birthday he wanted his real father to watch him play soccer? Who said that? Did his teacher tell you Ethan said that? And so what if he did? You don't think it's natural when a boy finds out his real father is someone any boy would feel proud to have... He wasn't there, Gwen. He didn't watch Ethan play, and he's never going to watch Ethan play. You don't know that. Ethan never saw him because he wasn't there. Maybe you should ask Ethan if you're didn't so... Didn't you tell him if that's what he really wanted, he should tell his father himself? No. Why would I and tell him that? And once his father heard his voice, you were sure he'd want to come. What I did say was, your father's busy doing important things all over the world, so he might not be able right. to come. The only problem, Ethan is five. When you tell a five-year-old his father might come on his birthday, that means he will. So, if a smiling man happens to look in Ethan's general direction just as Ethan is looking for his father in the stands that day, it means his father loves him so much he dropped everything to see him play. And if Ethan looks up a second time, but now the man is gone, it means his father was so disappointed 
he left without even wishing him a happy. Did you think this through at all? The only reason Ethan thought he saw him was you made him believe that if he told his father how much it would mean... No, that isn't... All I said was if he wanted to say a few words to his father about anything. And if he didn't want to, that was fine. Claire suddenly takes out her phone and begins to play a downloaded excerpt from the recording with Ethan. It's okay, sweetie. You won't be bothering him. He wants you to tell him what you'd like for your birthday. Don't be embarrassed. You've got a beautiful voice. Just get a little closer to the microphone and tell your father how much you want him to come see your game. Go on. He needs to hear it from you. Daddy? Seeing Gwen's stricken expression, Claire finally turns off the phone. Just so you know, Ethan never told his teacher, or anyone. He's very loyal. We only found out about the recordings two weeks ago because he too finally told us. The only reason he waited so long is he didn't want to get you in trouble. He said he just assumed if he didn't respond eventually, but when you didn't stop... I can only imagine how hard it would have been for him to resist coming to see Ethan play once he heard Ethan's voice. Thankfully, he never heard it. I don't... That or any of the other recordings you sent him. Once he started listening to the first one and realized what you were doing, all the others went right into this box. Holding the box with the discs, Claire rattles it slightly, then offers it more insistently. Finally opening it, Gwen stares into the box as if it were filled with deadly snakes. Gwen? I don't know if you appreciate how many... Gwen! A lot of very brilliant, important people have been working around the clock for five years. We realize getting everyone to accept this school won't be easy. There will always be small-minded people who would be happy to see us all go back to living in a cave. They'll make up stories about the program, say black is white to scare the others. So we'll just have to work that much harder to reassure them that the school is a wholesome place. Full of laughing children and pleasant, rational soccer moms who aren't running amok, jeopardizing the program and confusing their children by promising them something they'll never have. I just thought if his father could hear Ethan's voice, he'd realize Ethan is more than some number between 1 and 24. He's a real five-year-old boy, and he needs... I just wanted him to have... I know. Do you think he'll ever get over what I did to him? He knows you love him. Gwen takes one last look, then returns the box. I'm sorry I had to do things this way. I wish we could have sat here and discussed this like two scientists trying to solve a technical problem. But I don't think you'd have seen what a mad, impossible idea... And whatever you promised, I wouldn't have believed you. If you think I can't understand... I considered having children once. 
I had this bright, clear picture in my mind of a family. I, I knew it would take a very particular kind of man to belong in that picture. And when I found him, I thought, you know, this might actually work. So when I realized it was only a picture, I thought I would die. But I didn't. I survived, and so will you. Yes. Thank you. Indicating the box of flash memory cards. So, no more of these? I promise. I believe you. And in fairness, nothing actually happened. C2 never came to watch Ethan play. He never heard Ethan's voice. But that's not how people will see it. They'll ask, how reliable is any of our data when all it took was one mother? If those people would only stop and think, but they won't. So it's probably best if this whole thing stays just between us. Of course. No, you're right. Something else your old committee chairman told me. He'd always assumed you would take a leave, deal with your problem, and then sail through your orals the next time. You had so much promise, he said. Have you ever thought of going back? My entire committee thought I was having a seizure. Campus security showed up at my dorm with tongue depressors. I'm sure one phone call from Dr. Forsyth to your committee will... I haven't done any original research and almost... Not that it was ever all that original. Did you notice the moment I paid you a compliment? Originality just isn't my forte. But from the time I was little, I've always had a flair for research design. A kind of... Innate instinct. That's what Dr. Vorsov said about your dissertation. You don't mean he's read it. How else could he offer to call? I'm just so... That he would take the time well, to... Well, not all of it, of course, but that's what makes Dr. Vorsov unique. His ability to grasp the whole from even a sliver. I also thought, as we start refining our new student assessment tools... If we had someone who could give us a parent's perspective... You don't have to do It's that. not a favor. We'll need a parent who also understands research design. I can't make any promises about Ethan officially. But if you can make Dr. Vorsif believe you're the Gwen I'm seeing right now, instead of the one who used to cause trouble, would that work for you? The PhD? Sitting in on the meetings? Well... If Dr. Vorsef really feels my input, I think the problem... Ethan is the only thing that keeps me grounded. But if I also had work, work that matters... Then make it happen. Dr. Vorsef's waiting for you. Claire stands and opens the upstage door for the first time. As Gwen follows her through it, Tom and Allie enter the waiting room. Thanks for coming back. I know you felt we were ganging up on you. Listen, I wanted to say this anyway. I was going over things from this morning when I had this amazing insight. And I really want to hear it. I have expected to see a bolt That's of lightning. great, but first I need to explain why I asked Admittedly, you. I did have a couple of beers. Oh. Just two. I never even finished the second one. No, I wasn't saying you... I didn't want I... to say anything till the beers wore off. That's... Tom... We're meeting with Dr. Vorsif at one. What for? 
There's a brand new school Claire was telling me that Michael might be able to go to, where the other kids are like him and all the teachers are specially... Can you imagine? There's an entire course just on telescopes. Jesus, it never ends with these people. All Claire is asking is for us to meet with Vorsif and listen. That's all people ever ask. By the time you get in the car, you own a timeshare. Public school wasn't good enough. Now the place he goes with the $10 million swing set isn't either? You ask me, the school Michael's in now is hoity-toity enough. Tom, at back-to-school night, did you notice the parking lot? Half the parents drive Subarus like us. They only seem hoity-toity because they didn't drop out of school. I feel inadequate with Michael just like you. I don't want to be one of those mothers who goes around complaining her kid never talks to her instead of asking why should he when she's got nothing to say. Uh, you've got all kinds of things to say. I read Daniel Steele. Everyone's got something they do just for fun. Some people think reading a novel that's decent is fun. At least you read. There's that's a book something. group less than two blocks at the library, and I've never even... <sighs> is any of this getting through to you? There's a book group. I think that's a great... At least I read? What am I supposed to do with that? Feel guilty I don't have dyslexia, too? All I said was you're right about the book Every other kid in Michael's class has a mother who's qualified to work with grown-ups. So go back and finish. How many credits? I don't want to be a dental hygienist. Why not? There's a huge demand, and you've got the perfect personality. Plus, you won't have to waste all those years becoming a dentist. I don't want to be a dentist. I don't want any job where I'm looking in somebody's mouth. Since when? I don't know. Since I was three? I only picked it because I needed a major, and why is this news? And what do you mean I've got the... What's the perfect personality for working on somebody's mouth? You meet some total stranger five minutes later, he's telling you his life story. Not when he's getting a root canal and his mouth is full of equipment. I don't Tom. know what you're asking me. I don't either. All I know is I'm 33 years old and I'm sick of boring myself to death. I don't know if this new school is the answer for Michael. But you and I need to be able to have a conversation in a normal tone of voice where I can say, Tom, Michael is exceptional. I don't like that word any better than you, but he has a special gift. And pretending he's just another kid won't change what he needs, which is teachers who aren't afraid of him and kids who don't treat him like he's from Mars. And it isn't just Michael. I know I agreed that Going with a different kind of donor this time was only fair, but I'm sorry, Tom. Fair's got nothing to do with this. I mean, why did we come here in the first place? To give Michael a better life. And if we can do the same for his sister, what choice do we have? Fuck. You know what I wish? The kind of people who tried to help by recommending places like this would stop and think for a second and then drop dead. I know, it takes me longer to figure things out than you, and I'm totally fine with you being smarter, but don't I always eventually... Which reminds me, that insight I was saying, before we meet Vorsif, I'm going to call Murph and tell him I want the job. No. You were right. If you're just going to hate what you're Listen, doing... Listen, this whole I hate my job, I think I've been feeling I should hate my job so I can do something else that Michael won't feel embarrassed telling his friends. Tom. Maybe that's part of the thing with you and people's mouths. Except I actually like what I do. 
That's what I always thought. I guess I assumed you... That's the problem. You always assume. Like I didn't want a donor for Michael. Since why should half of him come from you when there's nothing from me? And I didn't... But only at the very... And I'm glad I kept my mouth shut because I never would have guessed there's a gene for someone's laugh. But Michael's got the exact same laugh as you. Hearing you laugh was the first thing I fell in love with. So when the two of you start cracking each other up, it's like hearing my favorite song in stereo. Wow. Just because I think you'd make a great dental hygienist doesn't mean I don't know you. I didn't mean that. Or I can't relate to that whole weird blood sister thing you have with Janet and Beth. And I can. Well, kind of. Even if I'm not all that crazy about Janet or her voice. And sometimes I miss my brother Frank so much I feel like crying. And I know you think that's a lot weirder, which it easily is. All I have is a picture Dad took of him bundled up in front of a snowman a month before he died. But every year on his birthday, you cut fresh flowers and go with me to his grave. And if you knew one-tenth of how much that means... Michael wet the bed. I know. He told me. <laughs> what, you thought I'd be upset? No, I'm just surprised you never... What did you say? Mostly how when I was his age, I peed on myself a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> Only I was awake. <laughs> My mind would be into some project when suddenly something warm. <laughs> <laughs> I told him how it always felt warm right before it felt wet. <laughs> He thought that was really interesting. <laughs> then I said, it's probably different for every kid, but the good news is no one's still doing it when he gets to be my age. <laughs> Lights fade. When they come up again, several hours have passed. It is late afternoon. Gwen is alone in the waiting room. Allie and Tom enter. They all seem surprised and uncomfortable to see each other. We just got... Finished meeting with Vorsif. Oh, I met with him earlier. You never know. Someone could always drop out. I think that's a very mature way to look at it. You didn't see Claire, did you? No, and I've been waiting an hour. Sorry, that was insensitive. What do you mean? Complaining about a little inconvenience. I mean, considering the circumstances. I think this is one time you're completely entitled in fact, to feel... if you'd like to see her first, my meeting will probably take a while. That's okay. So will ours. They always give you a million forms to fill out. Uh, listen, I just want to say... What forms? To enroll Michael. I'm sure your kid really came You close. don't know they want to take Michael. No, they don't. You must have heard him wrong. They're taking Ethan. Claire enters carrying a shopping bag. Sorry, I tried to squeeze in a little shopping. You're not really taking Michael, are you? She's saying he was accepted too. What do you mean, accepted too? You told us they were competing. Right, but not against each other. You said both of them were flutes. Flutes? 
Right, but when have you heard an orchestra with only one flute? Let me understand. Did Dr. Vorsev actually say they've been accepted? He said he was sure Ethan and I would make a wonderful contribution. He never mentioned there's one more thing we'll need to discuss? He said something, but it sounded like a formality. He said a couple of loose ends to us. Interesting. I just want to say, the school sounds incredible. It was like someone snuck into Michael's brain one night, took a picture of everything that excites him, and turned it into a school. Tom... Left it too, believe it or not. I made a mistake. I'm the first guy to admit it. I just it. wonder if you really... You know how sensitive Ethan... And if you're only taking 12 children... I'm not saying Michael... But if, just as an example, one of them tends to be on the loud side, won't that... Did you really just say You're that? right. How the children relate is crucial. That's why we ran each pair through a virtual play assessment. Michael and Ethan were exceptional in their own right, but together their performance went through the roof, which is why we want, need, both. Let's talk in my office. Tom, Allie, what if I start with you? Why? Well, that's just the order I'm going in. I've been waiting almost an hour. How come she gets to waltz I in mean, here and... I mean, she was here first, and if that's important... The only reason you've been waiting is you got to meet with Vorsif first. Please stop calling him Vorsif. It's Dr. Vorsif. He's not your fishing buddy. Tom, I need a little time alone with the ladies, you understand? Gwen and Allie in my office. Can I just... I'm sure you weren't trying to put Michael down... But why did you call him a flute? Do me a favor and hold on to that question in case I forget to cover it. Claire enters the office with Gwen and Allie, then shuts the door. Let me be perfectly honest. Everyone on the team agreed that Ethan and Michael deserved to get in, but more than two-thirds wanted to cut them anyway just to avoid dealing with you. I'm the reason your sons are still on the list. Anytime your boys see you together, you'll be modeling how grown-ups are supposed to behave. There will be zero tolerance for the kind of nonsense I've seen today, so as of right now, unless one of you wants to argue that snippiness is a good thing, your children are the children and you're the adults. Outstanding. Now, why don't you have a seat out there, Gwen and Allie? You can wait here. I just need to sort out one or two I things. I could wait outside if it's you... It's no... Please. This will only take a minute. Sit. Allie sits. Claire opens the door, and Gwen goes to the waiting room. Tom begins to stand, expecting Claire to invite him in, but Claire shuts the door. After a brief, awkward silence, Tom notices his bag of donuts and shakes it to get Gwen's attention. No, thank you. I appreciate what you said before. You mean you should go first? Well, that was a total miscarriage of justice. <laughs> Did Dr. Vorsif get into how he designed the building without any corners? No two walls ever meet at an angle. They just keep curving around. He's hidden every joint. That's because he doesn't believe in rooms. He thinks they send the wrong message, telling children space has a shape. Trust me, hiding all these joints isn't easy. And the way he described each step, his attention to detail... Sorry, my dad built houses, so construction's a pretty loaded topic for me. He offers her the donut bag again. You sure? I can't eat anything sweet this close to dinner. That's the problem with Bavarian cream. 
<laughs> so what if we compromise and you take the plane? All right. He hands it to her, laying a napkin daintily on her lap. You're a very good salesman. You have to be in my line of work. How much do you know about calibration devices? In fact, this may be... Taking out his phone and reading a message. Yes! <laughs> Guess who's the new account manager at Murphy and Finn? Congratulations. And you heard it first. I just need to go in tomorrow for some random test on my urine. Kind of did a complete 180 from this morning, so he probably wants to make sure it isn't chemical. <laughs> I'm just gonna... Go make your call. And thank you. This donut's good. As Tom exits and Gwen takes out her journal, Claire re-enters her office. So, did you rip him a new one? Excuse me? It sounded like Vorsef was supposed to tell us something, but then he dumped it on you. Dr. Vorsef's always shied away from telling people things that might upset them. If someone has to have a failing, I can think of plenty that are worse. Yeah, like making you tell them. Hey, none of my business. Dr. Vorsev said you're interested in going back to school. It just so happens. One of our interns is the next town over from you. I'm sure she'd love to watch Michael anytime... If we need a sitter, there's a dozen right on our block. Well, I just thought you might prefer leaving Michael with a graduate from Barnard who's trained in the model over some teenager who's locked in the bathroom cutting herself. Is this what you wanted to discuss? <laughs> no. We need to talk about the boarding requirement. Boarding? You want him to sleep there? We're only asking for one night a week with Michael. That's the smallest commitment from any child. We... Why does he have to sleep there at all? You know those supple little girls from Romania who seem to fly around the parallel bars? Their muscles get so tight when they're sleeping, they need to waste hours each day just stretching them out. A child's mind gets just as tight... So we developed a bedtime program to keep it supple while he's asleep. And if Michael isn't well, there... What if his birthday falls on the same night and Tom and I want to take... We're not negotiating, Allie. One night's the best I can do. Most of the children are starting at three or four. If Tom and I do agree to one night, I don't want to get a phone call from you in six months on how the team just met and now two nights are the best you can do. See what happens when Michael's teachers, all his classmates... His entire day. Every day is the kind of day you would kill for him to have even once. Six months from now, if anyone's on the phone asking for more nights, it will be you. Tom would have to be okay with this. Of course. And I think you should explain it, since he isn't exactly over the moon about me. While I speak with Gwen. If she wants to know how many overnights Michael has, don't get into that with her. You know it's the first thing she's going to ask Just me. Just say nothing's been decided. I won't bring it up, but if she asks me directly... Then you say it's up in the air. I don't think I can do and that. And if she decides not to send Ethan? We can't take Michael without Ethan. As partners, they're our first choice for these two slots. No other children come close, but if either you or Gwen says no, we'll have to move on. So if you want me to help you, try not to make a difficult situation any worse. Claire opens the door. Gwen. He had to make a phone call. But I wanted to speak with you anyway. I thought we were going in order. I did say that, but... First Allie and Tom, then I'll get to meet... Right, but now we're doing this instead. Gwen enters. 
Allie starts to leave. Allie, I just want to say I'm sorry for making it sound like I think Michael is probably loud and for overreacting earlier. Where I work, we all had to drive to some lake and spend a whole day telling each other areas where we could use some improvement. Apparently I do that. Maybe once we get to know each other better. Thank you. I thought you and I could take a few minutes to go over... She impatiently nods to Allie, who leaves. To go over why the team thinks a boarding requirement is crucial if our students are... Boarding requirement? Well, obviously not every night. He'll still be No! Ethan needs his things a certain way at night. Before I can turn off the light, he needs his special cup with some water on the nightstand and his cuddle toys laid out on the bed just so... We understand how important... And that's just his things. When he's not home... Just ask Pete what bedtime was like the last time Ethan... What's so fascinating, Gwen, after looking at how much time children spend with their mothers... The team discovered that too much can lead to as many problems as too... Not in Ethan's... When he was a baby, all he ever... I'm sure, but he isn't a baby now. Back then, he needed all the love you... And he still needs it, but only the occasional dollop, not the rich seven-course meal every... Gwen! Gwen rushes out to the waiting room, followed by Claire. Did you know she was going to tell us... I'm just trying to explain why... No, Ethan needs me! He also needs vitamin D, but when you give a child too much, his kidneys shut down. Is that how you see me? I'm sure Claire didn't mean... She's his mother. You can't say things like that This isn't helpful. It's always hard, Gwen. For any of us to see ourselves clearly, and I know you've been trying, but I need you to try even harder right now. When Ethan can't fall asleep at Pete's house, is it really because he misses you? Or because any time he starts to relax anywhere, he feels he's betraying you? How often could he come home? The team thought weekends. Maybe every other weekend to start. Allie tries to not show how stunned she is. You can always visit him at the school, attend his recitals and exhibitions. He'll have a block of free time every day before dinner. You could take a walk with him in the orchard. We're counting on you to let him know you miss him, but you're busy, you're content, and it's okay for him to have fun. What about Michael? How many nights does he have I really to think it would be more productive to focus on Ethan, don't you? I just want to know if you're making his... I really think we should focus on Ethan, don't you? Gwen stares at Allie. Gwen? Don't you? Gwen? Gwen weakens as she turns back to Claire. I guess. Can I say something? A lot of people... When it's their first kid, if you think she's tense and controlling, my sister Beth used to call 911 the minute Georgina began to sneeze, but after Ray came along, she was like, don't drink all the paint, you've still got the vents to do. Claire looks warningly at Allie. Of course, we'll be constantly reviewing, and if Ethan doesn't need all those nights... I appreciate How will you ever know if he's never... Uh, it's all right. Thank you. It's not like I'll be home all day, twiddling my thumbs. 
The way this fall is shaping up. I don't think Allie's heard. I'm going to finish my PhD. That's great. And Dr. Vorsif wants me to be his research associate. Plus, Gwen will be starting to date. The reason I went shopping... Claire pulls out a scarf from her bag and hands it to Gwen. I think maybe a little more color from now on. You know what would be cool? If you had another kid. She and my kid could play whenever Ethan and Michael... I don't think so. I'm just saying, if your new kid and mine... I'd really appreciate if you did... I'm not saying tomorrow. First the guy, right? I just meant, like, if you and I wanted to buy them matching outfits and pretend they're twins. Please, stop doing this. What makes you think they'd even let me? Who? They know what a terrible mother I am. You're not a terrible... If I told you every mistake, I... Then why aren't they taking Michael? Nobody said any... Nobody has to. If you told her Michael could only come home, she'd have been out that door so fast. Throwing down the scarf. I can't go 12 straight days without seeing him. I'll go crazy. Then tell her no. They can't force you. No, but they can choose someone else. They don't want someone else. They want Ethan and Michael. What if you're wrong? Their schools were good enough yesterday. Just pretend today never... Dr. Vorsif showed me the kind of future Ethan could have. I can't pretend I never saw it. Can you? How could I live with myself if Ethan had to give all that up because I can't handle being... Please. Just another couple of nights. He's all I've got. Gwen, I know what I'm asking you to sacrifice. But I honestly believe the life we're offering you instead... I can change. His class has a trip to Washington. I'll tell him I can't be the bus mom this time, but he has to go. There's no point even trying to talk me out of it. This is your nature, Gwen. You can't change who you are. Luckily, evolution has a way of sorting us out and putting us in the perfect niche. When I told you I considered having a child with someone uh, once... The truth is, that longing became so intense, I finally had to tell him. I thought maybe, if only because how much he hates to upset anyone. So when I saw his reaction. But then we had a long, wonderful talk. And while it took me some time to appreciate Gwen, that talk kept me from making a huge mistake because it made me realize I wasn't suited to be a mother. My niche was here. Your niche? That baby would have loved you no matter what you were like. And I'm sure I would have loved him no matter what he was like. But when I asked myself what would be best for him, I realized, just like you and Tom realized when you were with Dr. Vorsif, that choosing a platinum donor for your next child was the only sensible decision and what you really wanted anyway. What everyone... Because no matter what people think they want, deep down they all want a platinum child. Is that the kind of world we should want? Maybe not, Allie, but it's the world your boys will have to live in. So my job, our job, is to make sure they're ready for it. You're a mother, and there's nothing you wouldn't do for your child. Nothing. 
All those other rebel thoughts are just something Bob Dylan sang at a rally. But then you already know that. It's why you're here instead of on eBay trying to find the latest batch of average semen before it's thrown out. Well, long day. If the two of you can just sign these forms, everything else can wait. Looking defeated, Gwen begins to read the forms. Allie doesn't move. All it says is I've explained the terms and conditions, obviously until Tom gets here. Allie still hasn't moved. Actually, while we're waiting, there's something I'd like both of you to see. Claire gets a remote, faces downstage, and clicks it. We hear the rumble of panels sliding apart. I don't usually show these to parents, but sometimes words aren't enough. She clicks the remote again. We hear muffled voices. Allie and Gwen both immediately brighten. They move from their chairs to the love seat for a better view. Is that Ethan? Yes, and yes. How did you get them together? They aren't. This is their virtual play assessment. We set up a live feed at each school and... Did Ethan and Michael ever mention playing online with children from other schools? Ethan loved those games. Michael said it was kind of like Skype, only better. The system projects whatever they're doing onto a single screen. Then it scrambles the background and tricks the eyes so it looks like they're in the same room, even to them. And soon they're feeling as if they are. Can't hear a word they're saying. Can you turn up the volume? She mutes it instead. First, watch without the sound and tell me what you see. Ethan has incredible focus. Doesn't he? I think Michael is focusing nicely, too. Uh, not really. He needs to work on that. But the thing about Michael... I'm skipping when he left to get that poster of a maple leaf. Ethan was focusing so hard, he got stuck. Michael is using the leaf as a metaphor. He never attacks a problem with Ethan's intensity... But if you need someone to come at it sideways, Michael's your lad. Staring at the screen. I'm not sure what just happened, but that was very cool. I'm not exactly sure either. <laughs> Even with the sound, but things are flowing again. Another boy we took has an IQ of over 250. Microsoft just offered him a job for the summer. He's a contrabassoon. There will always be room in the orchestra for a lonely genius like him. But the problems that lie ahead will be far too complex for any one person. We'll need great collaborators to solve them. We spent hundreds of hours, every combination of children, and there was only a handful of pitch-perfect moments like this one. Neither of your boys ever came close with any other child, but when they were together... I wish you could have been in the room with us, because when it happened the second time, I don't think anyone breathed for more than a minute. I have a few things to do in my office. Take your time. Claire exits. Allie and Gwen continue to watch, sitting side by side. They're amazing together, aren't they? I know. Their expressions. Ethan's never had a best friend. He's too close to me. Maybe boarding is what he needs. He's five. How can seeing you every other week? I don't weekend... know. But if I believe in the program, I can't just agree with the parts I like. Why not? It's intellectually dishonest. 
Maybe that isn't a problem for you. When? No, you're right. I need to work on that. I've never seen Ethan so... What's a good word for it? Enthralled? Completely enthralled. Lights dim on them watching as Claire moves downstage, already addressing an audience. Ironically, it's the average woman, not the exceptional one, who will change the world. Instead of continuing to marry the average man she grew up with, she'll eventually realize the child of two average parents doesn't stand a chance. No woman will want to saddle her future child with two sets of underperforming genes, not if she's a responsible parent. She'll need to find someone better, and if she gets tired of looking, she can always find him in our catalog. Meanwhile, her average ex-boyfriend will have to settle for having his children with some less-than-average wife. These two paths will continue to diverge, the genetic halves, if you will, always evolving, the have-nots falling further and further behind. Now, I don't imagine any of you enjoy seeing other less fortunate people left behind. Evolution's a powerful train, constantly moving us forward, eyes on the horizon, and I, for one, wish it would stop at every station— I would like nothing better than to stand here and tell you there's a giant tent stretching all the way across the sky, big enough to cover everyone, but that just wouldn't be honest. Evolution can be cruel. I wish it weren't. But it's the only way to get from this imperfect world to a garden full of roses. Claire turns to the mothers, watching them with a tired, satisfied smile. I barely recognize Ethan. It's as if he and Michael... And it's all they need. I'm turning up the volume. Did you notice where... Gwen? Seeing that Gwen has begun to quietly cry, Allie slides closer, allowing Gwen's head to rest on her shoulder and gently stroking Gwen's hair. I used to cry all the time when my mom died. My sisters would sit with me. Let me cry as long as I needed and stroke my hair. My sister used to put gum in mine. <laughs> she said she didn't have to be nice because the hospital made a mistake and I wasn't really her sister. <laughs> this was never our decision. We have to send them. It's where they belong. Tom enters. He looks at Allie and Gwen with confusion, then stares at the screen. What is that, a Sony? Wow, the resolution's incredible. I don't think I've ever seen Michael. I know. As the light in the room begins to intensify, the volume increases as well. We can now clearly make out the sound of two children laughing, but gradually their laughter is joined by that of other children in an increasingly louder, more complex and disconcerting sound, blending moments of arresting beauty in vitality with others that are darker and more discordant. Gwen, Allie, and Tom continue to watch and listen, utterly spellbound. Lights fade. End of play. This has been a production of Play for Keeps. Thank you for joining us.